Bud's good. Katie's good. Katie's glad to be back. Glad to have you, Katie. Um, if you're visiting our church, we're glad that you're here. Um, we've been uh, uh, spending the last few weeks really focusing on uh, what the Bible calls the gospel. Uh, Romans 1.16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to all who believe. And we believe that. We believe that the gospel is, is good news, that Jesus uh, came to rescue us, to save us, and that people need to know that. Um, did anyone have a chance to share the gospel this week? Just give me a little, anyone shared the gospel this week? Thank you. Good. Yeah, good. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Cool. Um, I had a chance to share the gospel uh, with one of the guys that painted the wall. And uh, he, we, got, we got to talking about spiritual things. And he said, at some point, he grabbed me and he goes, Aaron, Aaron. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, what's the difference between Baptists and like Presbyterians? And I said, we're right. And, uh, and I told him, I told him, well, the the difference between the different uh, kinds of Christians are usually um, smaller issues about what we believe um, or how we do things. And um, he said, oh, okay. And I was like, but the things that we that we uh, that we need to believe, we absolutely agree on. We absolutely agree on. And then I shared the gospel with him, and he was like oh yeah, I'm a Christian. And I was like, great. I mean, praise God, but (laughs) you couldn't have stopped me (laughs) earlier. But you know, a lot of the time you're going to share the gospel with someone who identifies as a Christian. Um, There's a lot of people that identify as Christians that, that don't know Jesus. There are. Jesus said, uh, some people will, will show up and will say, Lord, Lord, I, I did things in your name. And he'll say, I never knew you. And so uh, we still share the gospel, right? Someone, uh, you saw that video right before the baptisms, right? And that, that one of the men that received this little tract from the, the man on George Street said, you don't understand, I'm an elder at my church. And he goes, I don't care. You know what I mean? And then he went back to his church and he complained to his pastor about this guy who just wouldn't let it, wouldn't let it go. And the pastor goes, yeah, I've been meaning to talk to you about it. I was, I've, you know, this is actually something that I wanted to talk to you about. I'm not sure that your life is reflecting the gospel. And he gave his life to Jesus, an elder at a church, right? So um, share the gospel, no matter what, right? If God leads you to, um, even with someone who, who, who doesn't seem like they need it or someone who seems like they need it so much that, you, that they, they probably would laugh in your face all the more, right? Because it's an act of faithfulness is what we've, we've been talking about. It's an act of faithfulness. Uh, but we had some people over at our house the other day um, and uh, someone, we were just talking about, um, we were talking about stuff and someone said, you know, um, that the question comes up a lot, why would I worship a God who, um, who would send a good person uh, to be punished in hell for forever, be, even though they did like lots of good stuff and they're a good person, just because they don't believe in Jesus? Like, I can't worship a God that would do that. And, um, you know, what do you say about that? And there are several things to say about that, but... Um, 
Let's just start with that's not what's going on, okay? That's, that's not what happens. God is not taking good people and is pushing them into hell just because they don't believe in Jesus. A couple things. Number one, there aren't any good people. I'm sorry. There aren't any. And uh, part of this can come because if you compare yourself to other people, you're going to think you're pretty good, right? You're probably going to choose people that are worse than you to compare yourself to. Amen? So yeah, we go, hey, I'm a pretty good person. Like, why would God send a good person to hell? Well, what's good? Compared to other people, yeah, maybe, but yeah, Logan, put up that, that picture of a sheep. If you're looking at a sheep, that's a beautiful sheep. That's a beautiful sheep, right? I don't even like lamb, but I'm, I'm second guessing. That's, those are beautiful white sheep, right? Beautiful white sheep. Okay. But hey, put up that other picture. If you see sheep standing in a grassy field on a hill or something, you're going to think, those sheep are beautiful. That's, those are, that's the whitest thing in creation. Those are beautiful white sheep. You take the same sheep and you put them against freshly fallen snow, and all of a sudden they look less white. When we compare ourselves to other people, we're going to think, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. God's going to look at me and go, oh, you're on the better half of, of people. So you get into heaven. That's not the way it works because God doesn't compare us to each other. He compares us to his son. He compares us to Jesus. God's standards are white as snow. And Jesus came to turn our sins from being that scarlet red to being white as snow. He came to forgive us so that we could go into heaven. And that's the gospel. That's the gospel. God isn't sending people to hell. When you choose to sin, you mark out your direction already. Jesus didn't come to send you to hell. He came to save you from the direction you were already going. Jesus is a rescuer. He's a rescuer. So the idea that, you know, I can't worship a God who sends good people to hell just because they don't believe in Jesus makes two mistakes. There aren't any good people. And God isn't sending you to hell. You're sending yourself to hell when you sin. Jesus came. It's like you're walking and there's a cliff. And if you just keep going, you're going to fall off the cliff. Jesus came to say, you're walking off a cliff. Stop. And if you don't listen to him, you're going to fall off the cliff. That's not because Jesus did something to you. That's because you set out your direction. Jesus says, stop and turn, repent and follow me. And I will take you to heaven. I will take you to safety. That's the gospel. Everybody needs to know that. Everybody needs to know that. And so we've been doing this series, Unashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for all who believed unto salvation. We're not ashamed to be strategic, to be thinking about how, how do we do that? What's that going to look like? How do I share the gospel? And so last week we talked about three different ways of having a gospel conversation. That's what we call that evangelism. Uh, three ways of doing evangelism. Those were confrontational, intellectual, and serving. We, we covered those. Confrontational is the, the more aggressive kind. Um, intellectual is, uh, likes to in, uh, engage, you know, analytically about, you know, issues and then use that to talk about 
Christ. And then serving is just showing love and doing good for people in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And you can, you can share the gospel. These, you still have to share the gospel, but these are ways of, of getting into that conversation. And this morning, we're going to talk about the other three that we see in the Bible. But remember that the whole point is that you don't have to share the gospel like I share the gospel. And I don't have to share the gospel like you share the gospel. You don't have to be Billy Graham. But you do need to share the gospel. It is the reason why Jesus leaves us here after we give our lives to him. It is the reason. You want to live your life in giving glory to God? Do you want to live your life honoring Jesus? Do what he asks you to do. Do what he tells you to do. Share good news with people who will die and go to hell for eternity if you don't. That's why we're here, folks. That's why we're here. So, so the, the next three, we're going to start with uh, number one, which is number four, is testimonial. Your testimony is your story from your perspective. In court, if you're called to share your, uh, a testimony, to give a testimony, you're being asked to tell a story about something that happened from your perspective. What happened? So your testimony with regard to the gospel is essentially the story of what Jesus has done in your life. From your perspective, who is Jesus? And the key to a, a, a full testimony is a good before and after. A good before and after. Maybe the clearest example of this in the Bible is in John chapter 9. Jesus healed a man who had been blind since birth, and everybody was talking about it. It was a, it was, uh, people freaking out. Is that okay if I say that? People were freaking out, and everyone was talking about it, and people were concerned about it. The Jewish religious leaders, uh, they had a, they they called this guy in. Uh, they questioned him. They called his parents in. They questioned them. I mean, it's a full blown trial, and they called him in a second time, and it's. It, if you read the whole story, it's funny because he's like, I already told you guys, like, why are you asking me again? But they bring him in a second time to question him. And at that time, they were insisting Jesus couldn't have done a miracle for you. This, this man had been blind since birth and Jesus had given him sight. And they're saying, there's no way Jesus did that because he's a sinner. He did it on the Sabbath. He did something good on the Sabbath. How dare he? There's no way. And so they're questioning this man. And here's what he said to them. This is John chapter 9, verse 25. He answered, okay, if you can see the shaded out part right before that, these are the Pharisees. This guy is on trial and they're saying, give glory to God. We know that this man's a sinner. Go say it. Glorify God by saying that this man is a sinner. And this guy, he answered, he says, whether he's a sinner, I don't know. But one thing I know, I was blind. Now I see. That's a testimony. That's a testimony. That's a before and after. Maybe this is your style. Maybe you like talking about uh, things from your own life that happened. Maybe you like to say things like uh, when you're talking about spiritual things, yeah, I used to think that too, or yeah, I used to do that too. If you find yourself freely talking about your own mistakes so that you can find common ground with someone, this might be your style. But honestly, folks, you have a testimony. 
Well, I don't care if this is your style. You need to know your story. Who were you before Jesus? And how has he changed you? And if you don't have one, you're not a Christian. If Jesus has not changed your life, if you're exactly the same before you believed in Jesus as after you believed in Jesus, it needs to go from here to here. It needs to change who you are. The gospel is transformative. It always is. It always will be. It's new life. It's forgiveness. But that forgiveness doesn't just leave you like you were. It changes you. It changes you. So how were you different? How has Jesus changed your life? You really need to think about that. What's your before and after? Because really, people these days, they'll argue with you about just about everything. Can I get amen? Amen. They'll argue with you just about everything. But you know what they won't argue about is your experience your story. If you tell people, this is what Jesus did in, for me, what are they going to do? Say, no, that's not true. You're making it up. You can share your story freely. So someone who's combative, you know, I, I have this more intellectual style of, of evangelism. Someone who's just going to argue with me for forever. And then someone else walks in and goes, you know what? I don't know about what you guys are talking about, but let me just share with you what Jesus has done in my life. And what's, what's going to happen? No, I don't believe that. So, so you, you should know your story. You should know your story. Um, people who are starting a business often have an elevator pitch. Have you ever heard of that? They have like a, like a 90 second, if you get in, if you happen to walk into an elevator and you look over and there's Mark Cuban or somebody who knows what's up and, and, and is able to help you with your, your business, you need to have like a little 60 to 90 second elevator pitch to explain what your business is if someone asks you. It's the same thing with your testimony. I would say you need to have a short, I was blind and now I see. This is how Jesus has changed my life. And if he hasn't changed your life, he still can. He still can. But maybe that's not your style. Maybe you don't like talking about yourself. Okay, let's move on. Number five, relational. Relational. This is an interpersonal, one-on-one, relationship-based kind of evangelism. This is all about building a relationship and then sharing the gospel within the context of that friendship. One of Jesus' disciples was a tax collector named Levi. After Levi began following Jesus in Luke chapter 5, it tells this story that he threw a giant party at his house so that all of his, his tax collectee friends could meet Jesus. Here's what Luke chapter 5 says, starting in verse 29. It says, And Levi made, made him, that's Jesus, a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? So just imagine this party. He's throwing this great feast and everyone's hanging out at the, at the banquet and it's tax collectors and sinners 
and Pharisees and scribes and Jesus and Levi and his disciples, and they start complaining, why do you eat and drink with these sinners and tax collectors? And Jesus said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Levi leverages his relationships as a tax collector. He leverages knowing the Pharisees, knowing the tax collectors, knowing the people who are openly uh, uh, helping Rome, right? And helping Rome back then was not good. You know what I mean? Was not, not, not looked upon well. They're traitors. And so they're considered sinners by, by the Jewish elite. And he, bring, he leverages that relationship, all of those relationships. He says, hey, come over to my house. I'm having a big party. Come over to my house. Why? So that they can meet Jesus. That's relational evangelism. That is leveraging a relationship for the purpose of, of pointing someone toward Christ. If you find it easy to make friends, you enjoy talking about people's lives more than Maybe you like talking about theology. You invest a lot in your relationships. This might be your style. This might be your style. Um, there's a book um, called Just Walk Across the Room, and Bill Hybels wrote it, and he tells a story about his neighbor, and uh, they, they go sailing. I know, I, where do they live? Like Michigan or something, right? S- somewhere that's got sailing, okay? Chicago, that's right. <laughs> Willow Creek, my bad. Okay. They sail. They sail. That's what they do. A few times a year, he and his neighbor, they go and they sail. And uh, he, he, you know, he's a pastor, and this other guy's not a believer, and he just invests in the relationship, just is constantly investing in the relationship, and, and has a spiritual conversations with him sometimes when it, when it fits. He's not aggressive about it, but he does, he does poke the bear, you know what I mean? He is asking questions, and then something happened in this guy's life. And who did he turn to when things were really rough and he had big questions? He turned to Bill because he knows that Bill cares about him and said, and then Bill turned him to Jesus, pointed him toward Jesus. That's relationship evangelism. You know what I mean? It's taking a relationship that you have, investing in that for the purpose of getting to share the gospel, leveraging your relationships. So that's relational evangelism. Number six, the the final one, is invitational. This is evangelism for people that need to see and experience something rather than just talking about it. We see this really clearly in the early part of Jesus' ministry when he was recruiting his disciples. This is uh, from John chapter 1. Early on in, in John, it says that Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, come and see. Come check it out. I could spend all day trying to tell you 
But why don't you just come watch? Come and experience it. Sometimes this is called come and see evangelism. Now, to be clear, Jesus tells us to go and tell. Amen? But in going and telling, can you tell them to come and see? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Those two things happen to work well together. And, but sometimes it does get a bad rap uh, because it can be lazy evangelism. You know what I mean? Uh, if, if inviting someone, for example, to come to church or to come to Bible study, if that's how you do evangelism, Jesus will take it. But remember what we said last time is that these are ways of having a conversation. These, this isn't the conversation, right? Investing in someone's relationship is not sharing the gospel. Investing in a relationship so that you can share the gospel, yes. You know what I mean? Um, debating intellectually about something is not sharing the gospel. Having that kind of a conversation so that you can share the gospel is sharing the gospel. You understand? So inviting someone to come to church is great. Do it. Go ahead. I love it. But it's not the end of your evangelism conversation. Take them out to lunch afterward. Go out to lunch and say, what did you think about that? How was that? What, you know, did that, do you have any questions about that? What did you notice? And begin to have that conversation. Invite someone, not just, that's not the end of it. That's the beginning of it, okay? I want you to invite people to church. And we're doing everything that we can to be visitor friendly. Have you noticed? So we've, we've got amazing greeters, try, try to get people at the doors, welcoming people as they come in. Um, the, the bulletins got in front. We have, a, we have a, a little table outside that's got, that's got a thing that says visitor guide, and it's got a map of our campus on it so that you don't get lost. We put signs up that say fellowship hall this way, children's ministry this way. We, uh, we put the passages up on the screen so that you don't have to worry. If you don't know how to, how to go through the Bible, you don't have to worry about it. When we're preaching from a, 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 just a main passage, I share the, the, the page number so that someone who doesn't know how to, how to get through the Bible but knows numbers can still find the passage, can find the page, and doesn't feel like an outsider. We are trying to help people not feel awkward, right? We're trying to help people be, be engaged here. We push the connection card every week so that we, we're hoping we can get people to let us know that they were here so that we can pray for them, so that I could call them and just say, thank you for coming, and so we can be kind like Jesus, and we can show the love of Christ. We stopped doing the, the welcome. Did you notice that? How many of you are bothered by that? So the, re, so the reason why we did... Yeah, okay, thanks, Anna. So the reason why we did that is because visitors don't like it. Almost universally. Um, surveys, I, th- I saw three surveys that said that people who identify as first-time guests, over 90% of them either dislike or strongly dislike a, a dedicated, you know, uh, meet and greet time in the service because it singles them out. They feel awkward. And the majority of those people said that they wouldn't come back to a church that did that. 
And it's, we love it. A lot of us love it. But we're trying to do everything that we can to reach people with the gospel. And if part of that is inviting them in here, we're trying to do everything that we can to make sure that once they're here, they're not, they don't feel awkward about being here. So we're just doing everything that we can. Like Paul said, trying to do all things for all people so that we can reach some. And that's it. Because that's the name of the game. And honestly, if we have to give up something to get something that's good for Jesus, I'll do that every day. I'll do that 10 times out of 10. Now, we are sometimes going to do the meet and greet. We still will do that, just not on a regular basis, because I think there's still value in it. However, we're not going to say, go find someone that, that you don't recognize. We're not going to say, visitors, raise your hand so that we can come over and, and, and say hi, because that will drive people away. What we'll do is we'll say, um, meet the, just say good morning to the people that are immediately around you, so that if someone is here, you actually, you can say, hey, I'm Aaron, who are you? And you can get someone's name so that you can maybe talk to them, okay? But the real fellowship that comes should be coming all the time. It should come before the service. It should come after the service. If you want to walk around and say hi, right, at, right when the service gets out, walk around and say hi. Stay a minute or two, okay? Because that's, that feels more genuine, okay? When the pastor says, go meet someone and you go and meet someone, does it feel genuine? Not always, not always. And so we're trying to make sure that we're serving people's needs and we're trying to take care. So we're doing everything that we can so that you have confidence that when you bring someone in to our church, they're not going to feel pushed out. They're going to feel welcomed. And you know what? Last week we had baptism Sunday. It was awesome. It was so cool. And you know what was, was cool is I like to be out at the door when people are leaving, and I wasn't able to because I was all wet. Um, and we also didn't do the, the welcome. There were a couple things that we did a little bit differently last week. But you know what? We had people that haven't been to church in a long time that said that felt really welcoming and warm and loving, and what a cool church. And the stuff that we normally do to try to be welcoming, we hadn't done. And so we're getting really good. I'm just letting you know, we're getting really good feedback. If you have a friend that's not churched, bring them. Bring them around. We will love on them. We will welcome them. And we will do everything that we can to make sure that they don't feel out of place here. Okay? Now, I'm, I'm saying that knowing that we have, a, we have a visitor here this morning. Hi. <laughs> And uh, trying not to, to we're, we're, we're doing everything, we're doing all, we're trying to be all things to all people so that some will come to know Christ. Okay. And again, and I'm just going to, I've said this before, I'm going to say it one more time. If you do invite someone to come to church, you are 80% more likely to be successful at that if you bring them. Not if you tell them I'll meet you here, but if you bring them here. Go pick them up and bring them here. You are much more likely to get them to come. All things for all people. Amen? Amen. Amen. So I want you to see that sharing the gospel doesn't just happen one or two different ways. I want you to see that you can share the gospel in a way that makes sense for you. How God designed you. 
If you want to be aggressive, if you need tracks, we have tracks in the, in the cabinet that's outside my office. If you open up the cabinet, we've got tracks. If you want to just hand somebody, somebody something, that's not my style because I like to have a conversation. But if, you, if that's your style, do it. If you're intellectual, have that conversation in the name of Jesus for the purpose of sharing the gospel. If you want to serve people, serve them in the name of Jesus and let them know. There was a, a lady pushing, uh, pushing her cart back to the, you know, where the cart sleep. What do you call that? The corral, the cart corral, the stall. Yeah, you know, you don't know what it's called either, okay? Don't judge me. <laughs> So she was pushing the cart back to where they belong, and, uh, and, I, and I grabbed it from her, and I was like, I got that for you. And she was just, oh, thank you, young man. And I said, you're, you're welcome. Um, and I, and I, said, I said, Jesus came to serve, and, and so I can't help it. I think that's all I said. And she, and she stopped, and she turned back around at me, and she, was, and she said, oh, I'm a Christian too. And I went, oh, I mean, praise God, praise God. (laughs) No matter what your style is, share the gospel. When Jesus said, come with me and I will make you fishers of men, Jesus pushes us to fish. Just throw the line out there. What happens after that's up to him. But we have to be faithful and sensitive because when you're hanging out and Jesus moves in your heart and tells you to do something and you don't do it, you're not being faithful. And he's going to move in your heart to do things that you wouldn't normally do. That's how you know it's Jesus. Because you know, I wouldn't think that. I'm at the mall and walking around and see somebody and go, I should go and talk to them. That's not me. Who does that? Jesus does that. Jesus does that. The only way, okay, I'm going to say this and then we're going to close. The only way I know that a thought is genuinely, uniquely mine and it's not coming from the Holy Spirit is if it's a sinful thought. Because I gave my whole life to Jesus. I surrendered everything to him, my heart, my soul, my mind, my emotions, my family, my finances, my everything. And he gave me new life. He gave me the Holy Spirit and he pushes me forward. He tells me what to do. I find, what, I find him telling me things to do in the Bible. I find him telling me things to do in real life. And the only way that I know that a thought that came into my head was mine and it, when it wasn't, it is not something that I should do is if it's a sinful thought. So if you're, if you're hanging out and you get a thought, I should call somebody. Where did that come from? Just assume that it came from Jesus. It might have came from something else. You maybe had a burrito. But if it came from Jesus, just make the call. Is it going to hurt you? No. Is there a chance that somebody needed that call and God put that on your heart at that moment for you to do? Yeah. Is it worth it? Yeah. Is doing evangelism going to make you feel awkward? Yes. Is that reason to stop? No. I love you guys. Let's pray.
Lord God, everything revolves around you. God, you are at the center of, of everything, whether we know it or not. Whether we know it or not, or not, you're the Lord. You're the king. You're the creator. You made it all. It's all, it's all from you and it's all for you, God. And, and, and you're going to honor yourself in everything that happens. God, we don't want to be apart from that. We don't want to be separated from what you're doing. God, show us what you're doing. Make a wave and help us to ride it. We want to we go where you're going. We want to float in your ocean. We want to be, be tossed to and fro by your waves, God. Help us to be sensitive to you as you speak to us, as you move in us. Help us to see the need in our community. Help us to see what's going on in, in our church as, as a reflection of who you are and what you want. And God, help us to make every day, every moment, about you, not about us, not about what we want, not about our preferences. God, if we're landing on our preferences, the things that we want, well, I don't want to go talk to that person. I don't want to share the gospel today. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to uh, go to Bible study. If it's about us and what we want, God, we've, we, we've lost our way because you're the way. God, you're the truth. Lord, you're the life. And we want to follow you with every single step, every single step, every single day. Help us to do that. Lord, build within us a boldness to share the gospel. It's good news. People aren't bad at sharing good news. But sometimes we've just, we've, we've, we've moved so far away from it, Lord. Our, our biggest uh, spiritual moments are in our past, maybe. And that distance makes us feel like it's not so exciting anymore. Like, like I, I'm not so excited about the good news. It's, it's old news. God, may, may it never be. May the gospel never be old news. May it never grow stale. May it light our hearts on fire. May it motivate us in everything that we do. Every time we see the cross, not to think, oh, that's a cross, oh, that's a cross, but to think, that's my salvation. That's grace. That's my forgiveness. Help the gospel to be as on fire in our hearts as it ever was. And if you need to break our hearts, if you need to, 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 to shatter the hardened parts of our lives, in order for us to, to see you with fresh eyes, to see you the way that you are, do it. Lord, break us so that we can see you more clearly, so that we can follow you better. Thank you for this day and for this church. Thank you for your word, and, and thank you that, that no matter who we are, you've built us with an ability to share good news. Help us to do that this week, in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to have a minute where you can just pray. Whatever Jesus led you to, to, to do, whatever God is. A sermon isn't just a, a speech. This is God's word that is supposed to move us to action. So what are you going to do about it? In a real way, what are you going to do about it? Who are you going to share the gospel with? One person. Who are you going to share the gospel with? I know who. A good friend of mine, Think about that person. Lock them in your heart.
pray about it. And if you want to receive prayer, Bruce will be up here. I'll be up here. We would love to pray with you. We're going to uh, pass the offering plate around. That's the place to put the, your, your, your giving envelope, but also your connection card. And then we'll close with the song.